Hey everyone, welcome to my show, my so-called fabulous. I'm Tiffany. It's so great to talk to you today. Come to you because you have been asking for this. You have been asking about financial advice. Well, I'm telling you, I'm not the person to give you that financial advice, but I'm bringing this to you in this fabulous new year. And um, I actually went to a couple of my friends that are in the industry and that work with my husband and I, and I'm bringing you today from J.P. Morgan Private Bank, J.T. Augenbaugh and Kyle Hitchcock. Welcome, welcome. Thank you, Tiffany. Thank you, you knew, you knew I was going to have to get you in here eventually, right? Yeah. Yeah. Let me just say, you're not giving yourself enough credit. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet. You were- you are quite wise on all financial matters. Well, you're sweet to say that. I appreciate that. I, you have to tell Greg that too. <laughs> <laughs> well, we had your wife on last year, right when we, uh, out of COVID, uh, JT, we had Charity on talking about, you know, going back to school and getting back in the school and we're back, right? We're back. Those were interesting times and hopefully they are behind us forever. I hope so, y'all. Right? Mm-hmm. I mean, everything's back to school normal or not. Are they wearing masks still? Yeah. Uh, out in South Lake, which is where I live, we've, we're mask-free at this point. Mask-free. So, yeah. you know? Same in Fort Worth. Same, same. Yeah. Yes. Okay. All right. So we digress there for a second, but we are bringing you on because honestly, we have had more people ask that are my followers and our listeners, can you please talk about finance, about money? Can you tell us why? And I asked, I, I pitched it out there and said, what do you want to know? We're going to hit those topics today. But Tell us, tell my listeners and followers how you're qualified to talk about this today. So uh, we are uh, advisors at J.P. Morgan's private bank. Um, we'll talk about what we do, but high level, we work with individuals, families, uh, advising them on financial matters. So uh, everything, the full spectrum from uh, complex corporate-like uh, transactions, high level, um, down to very basic um transactions. And, and so it's, uh, you mentioned that your, your listeners were interested in money and it, it's, it's a, it's an important topic. It's not the most important, but if you think about hierarchy of things, you, you, you've got your health, mm-hmm. you've got your family, your friends, um, and somewhere below there, um, God, religion, um, at the top, Somewhere on that, there's a spectrum of, of that's up there. Mm-hmm. And so it's important. And so um, we're glad to be here talking about that. Great. Absolutely. And your roles are different though, right? You work together as a team. I only see you two together, except you don't come to TCU football games. Right? Well, that's Kyle, because I'm an Aggie. He's an Aggie. Y'all. And I'm chasing around three kids every weekend too. So <laughs> yeah. Both of you have yeah, three children. Right. Oh my goodness. I know. We're I know. busy. You're busy. Mm-hmm. I know. Definitely. Definitely busy. Okay. So tell us your individual roles. Well, I'll go ahead and start. I, I would start with, we've been partners really for the last 11 years. Uh, I began at JP Morgan uh, Private Bank in 2011. Uh, I am in our partnership focused on the investments uh, in the portfolio uh, as an advisor. Uh, but the reality is, JT and I cover if, if a client needs something, we're there for it. And we, we collaborate together. Uh, while that may be my my title as a whole, uh, JT handles an awful lot on the banking side and the banker relationship. But I think what has made this partnership work so well is there's never a time when uh, we split things up too much. It's uh, let's go get it together. Oh, okay. I see. Yeah. Again, yeah. Yeah, I'd um, reiterate on the, the partnership side. We, we work with clients. Um, our clientele um, mostly look... Um, 
their families, a lot of times multiple generations, uh, wealthy families that deal with, again, complex down to very basic matters. And so our roles are very similar where Kyle focuses on uh, investing money for clients. My role branches out a little bit uh, broader to really serving as the conduit um, to our firm, to the client. And there's a, a wide spectrum and uh, of needs. And so that sometimes that means bringing other lines of business, our investment bank, our corporate bank into transactions or different, getting different members of the team uh, involved and, and really building the right team of specialists and experts around a client's needs. And you guys have been in the industry over 15 years. Yes. You both have your BBA and your MBA. Right? That's correct. She's kind of smart, too. And there's that piece. <laughs> that that piece, because that's not what I do. I can cook very well, speak in front of a camera. So there you go. <laughs> well, well, as with everything, uh, just like you didn't learn it all in, in culinary school, oh. um, you, you start with what you learn in school, and then, then the real learning begins. Oh, my goodness. Okay, so talking about learning. All right. My family, my parents didn't really teach me about money. My grandfather had a notebook similar to what you have in front of you. He wrote down every single bill when it was paid, and there was a column. And I did that up until I married Greg. I, up until about 10 years, 15, uh, 10, 11 years ago. So wrote everything down. So that was my, that was basically my education of money. We got to TCU and they were handing out credit cards. It was a beautiful thing, and I ran straight up to Neiman Marcus and bought a bag like the rest of the girls and paid for it for about, probably about seven years. You know what I mean? So mm -hmm. tell us about, I have the demographics with my followers, 18 to 44 is the majority, about 85%. Um, so how do, you, how do you deal with people like myself? It starts with a plan. Right. No matter who we're talking, talking to. And the reality is the plan doesn't have to look the same for any, for, for everyone. It may very well still be that if you have goals, if you know where you're headed, you're an awful lot more likely to get there. Uh, if you follow me on that and whether that be using computer spreadsheets or whether that be going shorthand with something, have an idea of what you want to accomplish and then have an awareness of when it comes to finances, what's, what's the amount of money coming in? And what's the amount of money going out? <laughs> um, you talk about college credit cards. Uh, I remember when I was in college, the idea was if my plan was to get as many free t-shirts that come with a free credit card, which was something that, that was a thing, <laughs> it was back, a thing. In the, back in the mid nineties. Uh, you also realize the risk that goes with that is you've got to understand what it is you're actually doing there. Mm -hmm. Right. Right. Yeah. Do you find that a lot though? Is this, I'm not an, an, an unusual, right? Not at all. And uh, a few points there to Kyle's, uh, I think, Bottom line, number one, is, is know where you want to be and then develop a plan to get there. And there's no right or wrong way to do that. Don't knock your, your notebook, mm -hmm. uh, the old school checkbook. Mm -hmm. um, if you work off of spreadsheets or if you work off of, uh, you know, the, the newest financial app, um, mm -hmm. they're all tools to help you uh, execute on a plan. And, and really, it's interesting working with our clients, which is, is a very broad, uh, diverse spectrum as well of successful people. Some of the most successful patriarchs of a family still work off paper notebook. notebook. Um, others uh, are very sophisticated. Um, and it's interesting working with um, our clients. Um, you've got very successful people with varying degrees of financial sophistication, but this is a, a money issues, um, you know, 
lack of sophistication or just understanding is, is there's no one demographic that's affected by that. There's very wealthy families that still have maybe kids or grandchildren who, who struggle with those same type of issues. And so I think it's a, it's a lifelong learning process. And, and the key is to start talking about these matters at age appropriate levels. You know, so I, my kids right now, my oldest is, is 11 and we're working on savings account and making sure she's putting money away. Mm-hmm. We haven't yet gotten to, um, the investment side yet. Um, uh, but just making sure putting money away for a rainy day. And so at these certain kind of key milestone, you know, age appropriate levels, talking about it early and often, and as you well know, and probably all your clients or your listeners and, and, uh, guests and, this is a lifelong learning process. Mm-hmm. It, you know, things change, uh, but there's also no shortage of things to continue to be learning. And right, so right. early and often right. with everything else. And, and I would use that too. just simply we're in the stage of life with our kids. I've got a, a youngest daughter that wants to have chores that she, where she is making something every day and she can, she can understand what it is and what she spends it on is a whole nother conversation. But I have a son who has been with his uh, best friend setting up lemonade stands and I've been shocked at what they've made, really? but it's very inconsistent. They'll do that. If it's a Saturday that they want to work, they'll go do it and they'll be out there for six or seven hours and they'll have a ton of money coming in. But those are two very different aspects on how did they each of those plan my, my youngest, what money they're going to have. Cause we actually have those conversations quite a bit. His is very lumpy. So he's got to think about what that looks like. Whereas my daughter's is very consistent um, for them to know what they can actually go spend their, their money on. They're going to have to think about what that means. And for him, he's got to think about from between Saturdays of three or four weeks in between, what am I going to have there? Whereas my daughter likes to know exactly what she's going to have if she does her job. And how do you control the spending? Like, do you, I mean, do y'all, I mean, do you say like with your oldest, do you say, um, JD, do you say you have to, you have to give, you have to save? I mean, are there rules yet or? I think that's going to vary for, for every family. Um, and, and, for every child within a family oh, it, yeah. as well. Um, I've not had that issue yet. She not wants yet. to save everything. Okay. And so the, the other two will be very different as they all are. And hmm. so uh, it's interesting because there are there rules? That's the question everyone wants to ask. And uh, again, to uh, kind of uh, you know, put the uh, point on, this is such an important topic. So JP Morgan Private Bank, we actually have someone who is a, a financial psychologist who leads a whole discipline within our group that talks about uh, these kind of more uh, emotional, um, you know, kind of fundamental questions about money, not the the the, the nuts and bolts of investing and, and you know, excess returns and all of the things that our clients want to see, but just the very fundamental questions about the value of money and mm-hmm. where it comes from and what is the purpose of money? Uh, it, because again, these are all high level kind of uh, concepts that helped drive your behaviors. And mm-hmm. so again, um, having those kind of uh, acknowledgements and discussions um, do drive behaviors and, and ultimate outcomes. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, something my dad did that he did, he did this when I was, I guess I had just gone to college he said, I bet you, you can't save $1,000 this year. I bet you can't do it. I went, watch me. Because he was giving me a challenge mm-hmm. and it worked. And it worked. I was like, okay. I'm gonna. And my whole career has been 1099. And 
you've had to save. I mean, anyone out there that says you don't have to pay taxes, you do have to pay when you're 1099. That doesn't just, they give you, they give you a check, you have to cut a piece out. But I, I remember that was a very stressful time for me because it's like, oh my gosh, I have to save 25% or whatever percentage that your attorney or your tax attorney or whomever accountant told you. So that was stressful for me. You know what I mean? Like, ah, so I had a tax attorney going, I bet you have to say. Right. right. But in the, the, the similarities between different phases of life. So where mm-hmm. you were professionally, where Kyle's kids are, with mm-hmm. the lemonade stand, the 1099 income, mm-hmm. inconsistent can be lumpy versus the, the allowance. And mm-hmm. so there, there's different, uh, everyone's got different situations to manage. But again, um, you know, starting early. Uh, and sticking to a plan, having a plan. That's going to say what, what the consistency was there was there was an end target. There was a goal for you. It was a thousand dollars. How you were going to get there was your choice, right. but you had something that you were going to work towards and you thought ahead a little bit. Um, and so as we think about what do you want to accomplish? One, you know, one kid wanted a daily allowance. The other wanted to save up for a computer. Okay. How are you going to get there? Mm-hmm. And it can look different across the board, but the very fact that you have a plan increases your likelihood of sticking to something that will save to get there. Mm-hmm, absolutely. You know, and uh, where the job market is now, and I'm not sure about y'all's inter- industry, but the job market where mine is, it's a lot of 1099, these young men and women coming out of college and doing contract work. And um, I would just invite them to really know what that means. It's not a W-2. I mean, and and and, and I know that's the norm, but for example, my industry, I mean, I 1099 everyone that I work with because it's part-time for the most, but saving and making sure, I mean, Kennedy's going through this, my daughter at 22. I'm like, girl, you better know what, I mean, you know what I mean? Know what's going on because it's going to hit her in the face. Are we back on track to pay April 15th tax day? Is that right? Is it? Because last year, what happened? It was COVID and we- It got pushed back to, uh, to June right. um, and then there was a-, a- a further one, wasn't there? There, there was. First state of Texas. That's exactly right. Mm-hmm. We're getting real technical here. <laughs> well, it was, clients yeah. don't care what tax day yeah. was last year. Yeah. Last year. That's last year. Last year, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, you know, just to save and to do that and um, to, make, to make a plan. I agree. I, mm-hmm. At any age, making a plan. I mean, Greg and I still are working. You know, we are constantly making plans. You know, and couples and finance, finances and money and I just, I think that we were talking earlier, you have to have it in that that hierarchy, the tiered system, because Greg and I think differently about money. And I think that's, a lot of couples are like that, right? Absolutely. I mean, is that a thing? <laughs> it's a <Yes>. thing. <laughs> and it can be extremely healthy. At least it is um, for me personally and what I think I've observed in relationships that JT and I cover. Um, if you both think exactly the same way, that can be a great thing because you are, are, are equally yoked and you're going the same direction. But sometimes when you think differently about it, you ask each other questions that un- unlock some things that you hadn't thought about or your spouse hasn't thought about or your business partner hasn't thought about. Um, but just being, it goes back to communication. Have a goal or a plan, but don't be afraid to communicate. Mm-hmm. And don't be afraid to be vulnerable either with yourself or with someone you trust, because that's going to be something that um, can keep you from those, you know, pitfalls along the way. Mm-hmm. The more you talk about something, the more you're going to learn about it. And you're going to learn about the people that you're closest to what they think about something. And so one of the things we do with clients, and and sometimes it's it's a discipline to, to stay on schedule, but we like to um, be a conduit for and to help facilitate quarterly meetings. And so if you're talking about individual finances, that's going to be on a 
paycheck to paycheck basis, like mm-hmm. it's, or, you know, a spending, uh, weekly spending cycle, but talk about these things. And so, but even higher level issues that are, that are quite important. Um, we like to have quarterly meetings with clients because it forces the conversation on a lot of things. And again, when the more you talk about something, uh, the more common ground you'll find. Um, and, and the solutions usually, um, show themselves, uh, mm-hmm. the more you explore a topic. Absolutely. So let's start out with student loans. And, um, because I have friends that are actually my age still playing, paying student loans and I'm 56. So, Tell us, I mean, you know, when you go and apply, I mean, higher level education is expensive. Um, what are your thoughts on student loans? Because there's there's students listening now. Maybe we'll take a, a step up and and kind of talk about it from higher level and then we'll get down to okay. that, that, that very topic. Um, whenever you, there's an expense, a cash outlay, spending of money, there's really at the at the highest level, two uh two primary ways to categorize that one would be consumption you're spending that you're going to the movies you're buying dinner out um you're buying something that uh, is not going to last and there's investment you're investing some some form of money uh into something that you want to be there for you serve a purpose uh and ultimately hopefully grow and so um education I think we would all agree is an investment. Mm-hmm. So you were spending money hoping to get return from out of that. And it may be that return may be uh, more, uh, you know, psychological, fundamental. It may be just your, your passion for learning. Um, but if you're thinking about it, the cost as far as what's your return on investment, you're getting an education to be able to go get the job that you want to be able to earn an income and earn a living. And so, um, with education as an investment, I think you, you have to have a, a the, again, a plan, a process of knowing what you're getting into. What's that degree mm-hmm. uh, going to cost you? And then where does that get you? Again, your ultimate goal. Mm-hmm. Um, going to a, a high-level private school that has a very, um, you know, very high co- tuition costs what is that ultimate job that you're going to get into at the end? And so that very well makes sense, may make sense, even if there's a deficit between what you're paying to what you're uh, ultimately going to get, but do that eyes wide open. And again, Mm -hmm. know that going into it. So student debt, it it can be dangerous if uh, you're spending money that you don't have um, without a source of repayment. Right. And as a student, the challenging part of that is you don't have that source of repayment when you're doing it. And so I would just encourage everybody to think about the actual borrowing part as the investment. (laughs) Are you going to be investing in something that you are going to be paying back to really just have a great experience? And then what is the degree that you're in a lot of freshmen and sophomores, at least for me, I didn't know where my path was headed. So I'm, I'm on on this path and I say, well, I, I hear that you want me to put the plan together, but I don't. I don't know where I want to be in 20 years. I don't know where I want to be in 30 years. But I do know I want and need a degree because all the things I want involve getting that. So every step of the way, thinking about the fact that we made this draw, I'm going to owe this money back. I'm going to need to work for it to back. How am I thinking about I'm spending every dollar on a day-to-day basis? Am I going to feel good that I'm, I'm paying that back? It's interesting what you said. You weren't, as a freshman, sophomore, did you not always think you were going into uh, the financial world? 
it's interesting. No. And at this point at 43 years old and having been doing this for so long, it seems wild to think that I didn't know, but I didn't. didn't. I I knew that I loved numbers. Uh, I knew that I loved working with people, but I didn't know what I didn't know Mm -hmm. at 18 and 19 years old. And and I have to remember that now as we're working with young people coming out of college too, is Mm -hmm. although some of them seem so far ahead of where I was at the time at this point. Oh, Um, right. We all joke and we interview a lot of uh, recent college grads and that none of us would be getting the jobs that they are just the, their educational basis, their resumes, uh, internships. It's a very competitive market. out Isn't that amazing? I mean, I'm blown away. I just, I think I look at students today and, and students of course have graduated. I don't know what it is. I mean, just the experience, it's the education base, of course. Um, I grew up in a very small town, 14 people. I graduated, uh, you know, I was in the top 10 though. That's good. <laughs> Percent. There you go. Yeah, no. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I'm, I had a great education, but I wasn't prepared for TCU. I mean, I was not prepared. And, and now the internships and the internet, Right. we had Encyclopedia Britannica. I mean, you know, it's just a different time, but. Yeah. And Tiffany, you'll have listeners probably that vary the spectrum. Some that are early on thinking about, okay, I have time to make a plan. I'll bet there's going to be people that are thinking, okay, that's great, but I'm past that. And what what do I want to do? The first thing I'd say is be kind to yourself, make the next step. (laughs) I mean, JT and I both did not start in the private bank. We, we did not start as advisors. For me, I was an energy trader in Houston, uh, pre, during, and post Enron, if anybody wants to read about wow, it. Wow, yeah. Uh, and I learned an awful lot. I didn't work with individuals, and I knew that there was kind of an ache that I wanted to work with people. And that's part of my story. And that's part of what led me here. Mm-hmm. Every step of the way, I knew I had to, nobody was going to outwork me. Right. And so that would be step one, have some sort of goal and don't get outworked. Mm -hmm. And then, and I know we're sort of getting away from the topic, but I do think it applies to this because don't, don't, don't take your eyes off the goal. If you really have one, go get it. And then along the way, if if you have that goal and you have that plan, it keeps you going in that, that the right direction, Mm -hmm. you can be going 90 miles an hour, but if you don't have an an end in mind, you may be covering a lot of mileage to get to the actual place you want to be. Absolutely. But don't be afraid uh, to continually analyze what that goal is and don't be afraid to change that. Absolutely. We've all just talked about how fast things change Mm. in this environment. That's right. Um, Situations change, uh, environments change, change your plan. Mm -hmm. Uh, It don't just be myopic with, with blinders on going somewhere that um, your plan may have already changed. Mm -hmm. Just be honest with yourself and then reevaluate readdress and, and go execute. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I want to hit some, some of the questions that the listeners and followers have, have sent in. And some of them are just, I mean, they're, it's real. Um, retirement. How do you start saving at a, any, when do you start saving? Yesterday. Yesterday. Okay. <laughs> today. It's- I will say today for those of you that didn't start saving yesterday, <laughs> like I didn't at the age of so many people are at, I mean, now, now. whatever it can be. Because it's, it's, it's the stretching that muscle. It's the, it's the doing it because for, we'll use the, my, my, my son and my daughter as an example, the consistent, if you can save a certain percent every time, maybe that can grow because maybe that grows over time and you look up and, and if you invest and it can compound over time, you realize what you've got. But if you're not doing that, when you get maybe a moment where you get a big payday that some people listening may not even be able to picture it, but some people can now that if you're used to saving, you don't think, okay, I want to go buy this, 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 and this. You have a process to say, I can really appreciate the fact that I need to put a certain amount away. Right. It's a process. It's a discipline. And, and Kyle's absolutely right. You start today and whatever means you are able to, 
Um, and so once you get into uh, that habit, that discipline, uh, it becomes natural and, and something that you just continue on throughout your life. Pay yourself first, right? That's right. If you invest in your future. Exactly. Exactly. Because retirement, it's real. I mean, and I, and I, I, Greg loves retirement. We've, we've all talked about, I'm like, Greg, do you want to do something? Are you bored? No. You know? Right. And he's, he's very quick to say that. I just, just want to keep going, just keep going, keep going. But, um, well, I think that's an important point because maybe there's somebody out there that's saying, well, I'm just going to work forever and, and great. Mm -hmm. You should, but allow yourself the flexibility to to have a backstop because Mm -hmm. maybe the thing you want to do in 30 years doesn't pay what you, what, what can allow your lifestyle to continue to be, but emotionally it will fulfill that void, fill, fill that void in your life that you want to go after. Give yourself the flexibility to be able to not have to seek the highest paying job mm-hmm. down the road if, if you can. Absolutely. What you're really likely seeking is financial independence, right? You're not tied to a job because you have to. Uh, you are able to do what you want to do uh, because you have the financial ability um, to chase a passion uh, or to keep working, um, it, whatever it may be. You want to mm-hmm. go be a college professor after having a corporate job. You want to uh, start a new uh, <laughs> right. career in, in a completely new, new industry that isn't hasn't been I know. even found yet. Yeah, that's what I've been doing. Golly. That's, that, that, You're that's, a trailblazer <laughs> in all this. We're, we're catching up to you. I'm telling you what, I I do scratch my head often because I my husband is is successful, owned business, so proud of him, and he just gives me the best advice. Just keep going, little girl. Just keep going. But I quit today. <laughs> no, you didn't. Keep going. Can you imagine him saying that? So so leading up to retirement. So yes, pay yourself every day, or I mean, just pay yourself. But in the big scheme of things. Owning and renting and leasing cars and homes. What do you think about that? Well, I'll, I'll go ahead and start if that's okay on that one. That to me, that it, it's always dependent on where you are on the inflows and outflows. Um, you may not have the ability to own a car because a lease is just the only thing you can afford. So let me just start with that, knowing that that's the case. But all else equal, if you have the means to do one or the other, a home is an asset that can appreciate, and a car is an asset that typically goes down in value, depreciates. So as you think about, do I want to rent something that's just going to go down in value or do I want to pay something that's going to be really super expensive and go down in value? Just know that because that's becoming really an outflow over the long haul. If you can afford to buy it, and typically if you can look at what that monthly payment is, don't fall into the trap of it's a lower monthly payment for a certain amount of time and then I got to start over again versus you might pay a little bit higher for a little bit longer, but then you have no payments after that if you take care of the car along the way, mm-hmm. thinking about the amount of time you can you can own or drive a car uh, and what the likelihood is that you're going to simply buy a new one in two or three years, then leasing can make sense. But I think uh, maybe I'm just cheap, which I know that I am. My wife would probably tell you I am. <laughs> I just want to be done paying for something and not have payments for an, a long period of time. Right. Hmm. Time frame, I think, is is important there, yep. both in a home uh, or any asset. Uh, Kyle already mentioned homes typically appreciate uh, vehicles and, and other items like that uh, typically depreciate. What's your time frame for being um, uh, in that uh, in that home? And so if it's a shorter time period, it may not be worth uh, the transactional costs, uh, paying a realtor, paying your title insurance, paying uh, origination fees on, on, on the mortgage to buy that home. Um, or you may be in a situation where you don't have the stability career-wise or otherwise that you may be moved 
uh, to another job or to a different market. And so keeping that flexibility. Uh, but if you plan to be in this and, uh, you know, you drive a car for a long time, same thing. Uh, ownership is typically better the longer your um, your horizon is and on ownership of that asset. Um, if it's if it's more short term transactional, then then leasing renting uh, does make a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes I've had people say to me too before. Well, I'm just going to rent an apartment or a lease an apartment because a home is a money pit. That's that's not inaccurate. That is not inaccurate, but. I guess if you choose well, right? Homes certainly do cost more. <laughs> and, and that's not just in uh, a financial sense. You, is any of us who have spent time in older homes fixing things? I mean, it, it's an investment of your time as well as your money. And so again, evaluate where you are in life. If you have that short-term view, if you have a longer-term view, and be honest with yourself on what your capacity is financially uh, and otherwise uh, to care for an investment to mm-hmm. care for a home, or if it's more uh, uh, transitional, or if it's a shorter time period, again, be honest with yourself on that too, because mm-hmm. it might make your life financially and otherwise much simpler. Exactly. And exactly. you can save your resources, your money, your time um, uh, for other things. Um, you know, focus on your career. If it's mm-hmm. a kind of a short term, uh, you don't need to be um, fixing the plumbing or, you know, mm-hmm. electrical or you know, the things that go on with, with home ownership that you must focus on. Um, and so again, balancing, uh, and weighing your capacity and we're talking about money, but time is also probably the most valuable resource we have. And so, uh, be honest with yourself about that. And is there, we go back to savings and, and, um, how, is there a percentage that you guys suggest um, or do you have to look at the whole, the whole plan and the whole budget before you say, okay, I need you to, um, if you would advise me to how much to save, how, how do you, is there a formula? I, I wish I could say there was a specific formula. It starts, there's a certain amount of money that you're going to have to spend on a monthly basis, Tiffany, whether it be rent or whether it be owning a home, you're going to need to pay for a roof over your head. As you think about how much do I want to pay on that car, if you will, that's where all of a sudden you have a little bit of, of leeway in that, but you're going to have to pay a certain amount of bills to keep the power on and, and, and the rent. But once that happens, now you've got, you've got some variable expenses. And so I, I always like to think of the max that you can save, you should save, but start with, with the goal of five to 10%. If you can save 20, 30 or 40%, that's fantastic. But if you can start with five to 10%, then that's a great starting point. And then you have at least a, a, a way to move forward. Okay. Because I have, I mean, people ask me and I'm like, I don't know, but they're going to tell you for sure. Definitely. So um, this is an interesting question. And, and these questions, I'm just, as they came in uh, chronologically, how do you wean your children off eventually? Is <laughs> I mean, that is the, the, in my girlfriends, my, I mean, that, that is a huge, I mean, what do you, my dad said 18. Hey, it's over. Well, that, <laughs> that was a uh, different time, wasn't it? One thing my father and I agreed on, I say this it, very lovingly, but <laughs> that I was not coming home after college mm-hmm. and I agreed with him wholeheartedly. <laughs> you on so, the same page. <laughs> every family's different. Um, <laughs> and, and so it's difficult because that, that's money is the root of your question, but yeah. this is a family discussion. But I, I think, um, you know, facing realities of, of expenses and income and enforcing uh, or forcing or uh, allowing 
uh, your child to start uh, participating in the realities of uh, and the consequences of of certain behaviors. Mm-hmm. And so, for every family and every child, it's going to be different on on how much they can handle and when. But starting that process um, is important mm-hmm. and sticking with it. And that, what I heard from both of you was communication. Your dad communicated that to you. You and your dad communicated together in the way only the Ogden boss can. Um, and it starts there to communicate. And sometimes communication is easy and sometimes it's challenging. But if the goal is financial independence, which if you're weaning somebody off is ultimately what you're going for there, you're not doing in my, now this is me speaking, the loving thing by allowing to somebody to stay on. And if the day comes and you're gone and they're not independent, you've got to help teach independence but that comes with a conversation for JT, for you all. It sounds like it started before that time came Mm -hmm. for others. You may be listening and okay. I wish I would have done that in the past. It's a little bit like saving. When should you start saving now? When should you start communicating about it now? Mm -hmm. Your goal may have changed. You may have not talked about this or had that goal of weaning somebody off, but Mm -hmm. you do now. Mm -hmm. And so the idea is set that plan. Now have that conversation now. Well, you know what I'd love to say, um, and I'm always so transparent, I would love to say that I have not paid a ton of fees and return checks because I learned the hard way. I didn't realize. I mean, I had no idea. Um, oh, wait, there's no money. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, I remember my daughter and she was, oh gosh, she was in gosh middle school and she was at the yogurt shop with her girls. She, y'all have kids this age. Mm-hmm. And she she called her dad and she said, dad, my credit card's broken. My debit card's broken. And he's like, really? Cause he saw what she was doing. He's she, he said, you have no money. And she goes, it's not possible. I mean, it's just not, it's just broken. <laughs> <It's>, <laughs> yep. I mean, so learning, that was a great lesson, but he was watching her and he was waiting for the shoe to fall. And the same thing with frog bucks. She was in line at McAllister's and uh, like, ma'am, you don't have any frog bucks. And she's like, keep your voice down. <laughs> you know what I mean? So learn Learning that, that, learning the heart, and I, and again with with return checks, I was just like, okay, I, you think you would learn, and I eventually did learn that that's not a cool thing to do because it'll eat you alive. Yep. I mean, Absolutely, and, and time times change, right? I remember the the days you thirty four dollar fee every time you bought mm-hmm. a pack of gum that you didn't have in your your account, <laughs> and that was in the debit card days. But it yes. seems to be a whole lot simpler when you either had money in your wallet or you didn't. I and, know it, and, but there are now. Tools for convenience, overdraft, account oh. overdraft, credit cards, um, that can be uh, a tool in certain situations, but they can also be uh, a dangerous crutch mm-hmm. as well. And so once you realize that, you acknowledged it, um, you know, being honest with yourself not to fall back into that trap. Mm-hmm. You know, and the kids, uh, again, but poor Kennedy gets beaten up on the show all the time. Not really, but just she, and she approves, but... She just, you know, graduating college, she went to get tires and um, she came home so mad. She was so frustrated. Going around the house, she goes, Greg, do you have any idea how much it's so expensive to get tires? Mm-hmm. He's like, how much were they? Two fifty dollars a piece. He's like, oh, okay, that's nothing. But, you know, just those learning, that, that, that aha moments. You allowed her to learn. I you allowed did. her to go get her own tires get and, and to see that. I remember, you know, back to, you know, how do you wean your children off? And when I graduated college, um, 
folks thought, you know, I'm about to be rolling in the money. Got a good job, uh, mm-hmm. which is, you talk about inflation where we were 25 years ago and what we see analysts get paid, at least in our, now it, it's, uh, it was not even in the same ballpark, wow. but I thought I'm going to have more money and I know what to do with. And then once you start paying for your own car mm-hmm. insurance, your tires uh, and start really realizing all those bills. I think I had more money when I was in college living in the dorm and mm-hmm. I just, you know, got a certain set amount a month. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's, that's reality. And and that's a, that was a learning experience. Exactly. One that I was glad to have, but it was pretty tough. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's reality. Hits mm-hmm. you right in the face. That's Absolutely. Right. I know. Okay. So the question is stock markets, bonds, and Bitcoin. That was just all they said. So, what at what age would you start or would you suggest the stock market? Let's say you do have a savings. And is that again very individual? It is individual, but you can start now. And I, I feel like there's a consistency to that. To the extent that you can rely on some level of expertise. Maybe it's a parent, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's utilizing a financial institution utilize anything you have access to as far as educating yourself on it. But you can be very diversified. And in this day and age, uh, JT was talking about technology. You can invest in funds that where you say, this is my age, or this is the age when I would want to retire. Um, Whether it be with a number of institutions that uh, offer these where you can invest in something very simple, but at least get yourself started and it will invest for you as far as how much should be in stocks and how much should be in bonds. Right down to if you know an awful lot more about it, to be buying individual stocks or broad-based diversified bonds, I would argue that if you are saving for the long haul, a level of diversity is really, really important because you have to know your goal. Mm-hmm. What is your goal is to save for the long to save for the long haul and invest for the long haul, stay diversified. And then if there's a percentage where you want to take some some more risk, um, you mentioned something like uh, Bitcoin, which we get her, uh, hear about all the time. All the time. It is, from a price perspective, five times more volatile than the stock market, meaning it moves up and it moves down five times as much and in, in, in that level of uh, in size than the stock market. And so know what you're investing in and what you're taking on. If there's a percentage that you'd be comfortable with that, um, that's just fine. But just know exactly what it is your goal is and if that aligns with it. I didn't realize what a controversial subject this was until recently. Greg and I were with a group of people, um, some of our friends, some that we just were acquaintances. And they were very, and these people do extremely well, and they were very much against the stock market. You both know my husband is very pro stock market. But I was just like, oh my gosh, I didn't have, I didn't know that there was such a variety of thought process on this. Did you know what I mean? Absolutely. There's uh, and depending on what the stock market's doing, if the stock market has just dropped 40%, everyone's going to love it. Right Mm -hmm. now, where uh, the the market is doing quite well today, we're close to all-time highs. It's difficult um, uh, to invest. You don't want to pay too much for something. Um, But again, to Kyle's point, time horizon. Um, Historically, and we see no reason to believe this will change, the stock market goes up over time. Um, Capitalism, corporations are going to continue to be efficient with their resources and grow their sales, come up with new products. Again, we talked about, you know, podcasts 10 years ago. No one would know what this is. Social media, all of this. There are new things that are coming and and it's their job to be innovative and figure out how to monetize on those. That's what investing in stock market is. You're investing in companies who are going to continue to grow. And so the stock market will grow over time. Um, And again, 
know your time horizon. If you're young or old, but you're investing for your future, that retirement, that financial independence, uh, we would argue, and again, whatever that time horizon is, is that 30 years? Is that 10 years? Is it five years? More growth, the longer that time horizon is appropriate. Now, if you're saving because you're wanting to save a down payment for a home and you hope to be there in a year, we wouldn't recommend taking risk, mm-hmm. that growth risk. That's where it gets into more bonds, your, your kind of fixed income, either cash or uh, treasuries, bonds, CDs, or your traditional fixed income, which don't have the same degree of risk, uh, but they don't have the same component of growth to it. But again, mm-hmm. that's saving versus investing. And so uh, having the right mix to cause a diversification point uh, is important. And di- diversification, when you say that, you're saying technology, energy, is that what, I mean? Holding a number of different areas, but also a number of different stocks in that area. Mm-hmm. Because you may be invested in something specifically that's going to work. The world is being digitized right now. The way oh, we do God. business, the way we're out here on a podcast, and maybe you have that theme right. But there's one corporation that is um, doing fantastic and you're invested in it and it's moving up, up, up. But it's there's a management scandal or something happens in that. The, the, the industry continues to move up, but that one investment goes down. If you owned 50 of those within a fund or, 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 or along the way, having one move down while the rest moves up minimizes your chance for loss, but it improves your, you know, overall, you're not giving up as much on the upside. Wow. Can you guys believe where we are in this world? I mean, like the digital world and what we're doing. I mean, and how marketing, I mean, yeah. just, I mean, it's amazing. You know, I, I talk to my daughter all the time. She doesn't know. She's almost 15. She doesn't know the world without a smartphone. She was born in 2007, and that's when the first smartphone came out. I remember pre-2007 extremely well. Oh. In fact, for somebody who was born in the 70s, there's a lot of things I remember. And so you think about how fast things change, and mm. it just seems like it's gone, you know, astronomically upward when, with, with techn- technolo- technological advances. Mm. I think I was one of the last classes to go through college without a cell phone. When really? you literally had to know all your buddies, dorm phones. Exactly. And you had to you sit by the dorm phone or you just had to have a, a meetup place. And, and, and again, then the cell phone changed things. And then you just go all the technology off of that. It's going to continue. That is one of the things we believe in, that this disruptive technology, uh, it's going to continue to change the world. Um, and so it, that's a theme, that's a secular theme that we think is going to continue to play out. And just getting in the stock market, world. Technology has been one of the best performers uh, over the past several years. We think that that trend is going to continue because smart people are going to continue to develop Mm -hmm. new technologies, new products that we haven't even thought of that are going to be highly uh, sought after with a huge demand. And so the world is going to continue to change fast, but uh, you know, likely faster, faster. But I I would love to overlay what we're talking about because I still think it it fits here because what people are doing now, people are still communicating Mm -hmm. and that's such a critical point. How they're communicating is different. Now, I could make kind of an old man argument that you still want to look in the, the whites and the blues of someone's eyes, and I think that's critical. Uh-huh. But being able to, but it, communication is still there, and you've got to be able to communicate. For those companies that are winning with the growth, who are innovating, somebody has a vision. Somebody's helping think about how do we get there and implement it. All these are the same types of principles. When JT said at the beginning that from the most complex to the very starting point, the business principles are the same. The investing principles are the same. And while it may be something where you have to go, oh, I've got to make a plan, plan for tomorrow, mm-hmm. plan for next week and allow that to grow, but, but start somewhere. Wow. Amazing. I just, I, I look, I mean, I look at what I'm doing now and I would have never, ever 
dreamt I was doing something like this. Oh my goodness. But I love it. Yep. But I don't know what I'm doing half the time, for sure. Well, you're, you know a lot more than you, <laughs> you give know yourself what credit I'm saying. for it. Yep. So I have a follower that asked a question actually this morning. How do you know if you can afford something? I have a general idea, but would love to hear from the experts. We're going to continue to sound like a brokered record. It starts with a plan, but that's where a budget comes in. Uh, it's essential. And, and budgets are uh, imperative, whether you're a Fortune 500 public company or you're an individual or a family who's, who's trying to accomplish a goal. And that may be a purchase. That may be an investment. Um, coming up with a source of incomes. So it, you know, it may be a paycheck. It may be different things that, uh, what is your income, uh, or assets that you have currently. And then the hard part, um, and this will be eye opening to anybody who experiences this, including the three, uh, sitting here at mm -hmm. the, at the table here, your list of expenses, oh, yeah. monthly expenses, uh, allowances for, uh, for splurges and, and periodic expenses. That's an eye-opening experience. And so, but without that differential between what your income is and what your expenses are, that's how much you can afford. Mm -hmm. And so, again, um, analyzing that and coming to what that actually looks like uh, will tell you the answer, uh, whether it's affordable. And then you can make the decision, uh, again, if it's an asset that you want, if it's an investment, should I then go borrow for something and what's that payment going to look mm -hmm. like? Or... Um, or is it something I should save for and have a delayed purchase? Mm -hmm. Because I'll also tell you this, and that's exactly right. It works two ways. Aspiration, aspirationally, if you think, boy, down the road, I'd love to be able to have such financial freedom. If you're already doing that, you're used to thinking, can I actually afford it? In some cases, the question is, you sort of have this imposter syndrome as I'm, I'm used to not thinking I can afford something. Oftentimes, you're going to do something and you buy something that's really nice that you never dreamed you can have. It's also very comforting to know when you actually can afford to do something like, mm -hmm. yes, I can buy this mm -hmm. and, and I'm not, you know, and I can afford to do it. And quite frankly, because I know what I've set aside or what we've earned, you know, maybe that, and to Jay-Z's point, you're making a personal decision at that point, but I have the flexibility to make this personal decision to buy something that the world would say is, is really on the high end, but I can afford it because I've taken a look at it. It's a lot easier to do that than to think, always feel this in the back of your head, this guilt that, you know, you've spent something that you don't have the means to do it. Mm -hmm. And, and it's all ultimately always going to be a personal decision, but it's a whole lot. Decisions are much easier. They're made much easier when information, when you have information to make those decisions, because um, you're always going to have the emotional impulse to do something. Well, let's apply some numbers and some math and some information to that to make an informed decision. Mm -hmm. You can always go still make the impulsive decision, but inform yourself first. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, um, it's also where you what's important to you. Where you want to put your money, right. you know, is it travel? Is it a home? Is it fashion? Is it cars? So what is important to you? I mean, it's, it's true because we have friends and it's just all across the board, you know, and that's okay. That's okay. As long as you can afford it. Okay. Um, a question was, when should I have a will? <sighs> and those are the, that is one of the most difficult topics um, for people to address. And again, we see it in, in all uh, levels of the spectrum because it, it requires you to uh, acknowledge your ultimate demise. What happens once I'm no longer here? And so a couple ways to, um, you know, a will can contain your own medical directives, which is what if you become incapacitated or something, that's important for anybody at any time. Um, once you start to accumulate assets, 
it has more of a financial component. Where do I want my assets to go? What, do, what purpose do I want my assets to serve after I'm no longer in control? Uh, and then family. So if you have family, what do you, if something tragic were to happen to you, what, um, what would happen? Uh, you get into guardianships and, and, and different things for, for dependent children or uh, minors. And so um, it's important uh, for different reasons uh, at different points in people's lives. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I always say yesterday on that one. Yeah. I really do. I mean, will can be financial, but it can also be very emotional too, you know? Mm -hmm. That's the hardest part, making those emotional decisions. But you're right. Yesterday, never never is there going to be harm in doing this sooner than later. Mm -hmm. And there's a consistency that we were talking about because just because you set a will up now does not mean you can't change it later. Things mm-hmm. change in life. Exactly. And so much by, when you think about your investment process, the only reason you would make a change is because you're already doing it. Mm-hmm. The only reason you would make a change to the will is you've already got a starting point for where you came from. Right, right. My the mother. only real good, I'm sorry, Go Tiffany, uh, to not have a will would be there's financial restraints. You know, so it used to be, right. Um, there was a cost. You'd have to go get a lawyer that oh. you pay hourly and, and you'd have to draft this by by hand and type it up. Uh, we've talked so much about technology. There are so many uh, different programs that make this so easy that you just fill in digitally a couple of uh, variables on a couple of different endpoint points and then voila, you've mm-hmm. got a will. And right. so I think those barriers to entry uh, or barriers to participation have been lowered significantly. Mm-hmm, definitely. My mom, um, she knew that she was uh, coming to the end of her life. She was very ill and she would just laugh. She had a sticky note. She had a sticky pads and she said, put your name on it. The, the three of us would come in and we're just like, really mother, put your name on it. Don't we have a will? Don't worry about it. Just put your name on it. Mm-hmm. It was a set of dishes or pots or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But that was really important to her. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was the most, but my dad's of course still alive. And so, you know, he, he was, he was the other side, he, the will portion, but mm-hmm. you know, it's just, but I always hear people that say that. And I'm like, you know, you just have to, because death does bring out the worst in some people. Of course, family, there's the family piece, of course, which brings me to prenup. What are your thoughts on a prenup? Well, I mean, there's an emotional and there's a financial side of that. Mm-hmm. And that, that's a really tough one. That's a, that's a, that's one that I don't know. We have a, I don't think we have a hard press answer for, but financially, if you are coming from an area where you have things that you want to protect or the things that you need to talk about on a case by case basis, that's a, that it comes back to communication. Mm-hmm. Um, I would certainly have that conversation sooner than later for the couple that are going to do it um, and know whether or not that's even a, a full stop at that point, because uh Again, you've got to communicate coming in on that one and then go from there. Well, what I'm we, finding out here in this entire conversation is planning and communicating that's for correct. sure. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I'm sure you see that in your, your clients all that's the time. Right. You mm-hmm. have to. Right? That's right. I can't tell you how much I appreciate this because these people are wanting to know what's going on in the financial world and I'm just not qualified to answer it. So, <laughs> Well, I <laughs> hope this was helpful, but we certainly had fun. Well, It's always great. fun to be with you. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. I uh, see JT and his beautiful wife and children at TCU games. I'm blessed to see that. I do not see you at A&M games, but... Um, Come on, you're welcome anytime. <laughs> <laughs> do you still go? Do you go? You're too busy. I, I went, we went to one game.
Alabama, and that was when A&M beat Alabama this year. Oh, well, I there took you the go. Whole family too. That so was that was perfect. a season worth of memories on that. Kind of like night. the hole in one. I, I put the yeah. clubs up after that. <laughs> <laughs> no, the hole in one is absolutely right. Absolutely right. When you get my husband around uh, these guys, it's all about football, and then I'm doing the same thing. I'm going to bring my daughter in as well. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much, oh, and you, I Tiffany. appreciate you all, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Hopefully, help helped you along the way today. We're trying to get up in that Apple and Spotify world of the podcast. So rate and review this and let us know what you'd like to hear. And everyone, have a wonderful day and keep being fabulous. Oh,